Hi everybody and welcome to Growth Week. This is a monthly week-long conversation that is aimed at helping you grow intentionally in every aspect of your life. So wherever you find yourself today, this podcast will challenge you to take the next practical step towards your God-given purpose and potential. My name is Justin Doro. I'm a certified John Maxwell Leadership Coach and I'm also the lead pastor here at Word of Truth Ministry. With me in the studio is one of our ministry directors and co-host, Robin Aldea. Hey everybody and welcome to the final episode of Growth Week for this month. It's been so awesome having this conversation with you this week, Pastor Jay. We've been speaking all about innovation, the big I. And so that was the topic of our first episode, The Big I. What is innovation? Why is it important for you to innovate? Why is it so important for you to become an innovative person? And for the rest of this week, we've been speaking about becoming that innovative person based on the scripture from Romans 12 verse 2, which says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you would be able to know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so we spoke about not conforming to the patterns of this world. We spoke about transforming yourself, rebranding yourself into this innovative person. And then yesterday we spoke all about renewing the mind. So Pastor Jay, what are we talking about today? So today we're talking about the need for discernment. And in most cases, innovation requires us to first understand current trends. We need to understand the times. And whenever I hear that phrase of understanding the times, I go right into the scripture. And the Bible speaks of this group of people, the sons of Issachar, that understood the times. They had this discernment, a gift of discernment that God had given them, that no matter what was happening, they knew exactly what Mm -hmm. to do. And this is the key to innovation, just knowing what's happening around you. And then as they will call it in the business world, you need to predict the future trends. And for you to be able to effectively predict those trends, you need to have a sense of discernment. And, you know, it was quite fascinating sometime last year when I started hearing the marketplace speaking of discernment. Actually, we did that whole, you know, working genius gifts inventory. And one of the geniuses is a genius of discernment. And Mm. it was just really fascinating for me, Robin, to understand that, or rather to discover that the marketplace values discernment Mm. because I've always thought discernment is for the church. It's for us, you know, in Christian circles. But the world is actually recognizing now that if we are going to be effective in innovating, in creating future trends, we need people that have the ability to discern, to just kind of look at things and see the unseen. And so this is that whole idea of discernment. Discernment is actually that ability or the gift to have the right perception, to have insight into what's going to happen. And for us, Plainly, discernment means to try and figure out what is God's will for our lives. And I love this, Robin, because it brings us right back into the scripture in Romans chapter number 12, where Paul says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our Mm -hmm. minds so that we may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So the idea that Paul is carrying here is we need to figure out what is that good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God as we renew our minds, as we transform, as we innovate. And I think this is one big issue that most people have, especially for us as Christians, Robin, maybe we might as well just lean into it right now, where we often struggle with 
the idea of God's will. You know, like mm-hmm. whenever I speak to Christians who are about to make decisions, one of the fundamental questions they ask is, what is God's will? I can't figure out God's will. That is so true, Pastor Jay. Most of the decisions that we make right now, most of the circumstances that we find ourselves in are not spelled out specifically in the Bible. So it's like, oh, you're facing this situation, go to this book, this chapter, this verse, and it'll give you a five-step, you know, kind of roadmap of how to solve or how to make that right decision. So it really comes with this whole process. And that's why we said that this whole thing is a process. Being transformed by the renewing of of your mind. Yesterday, we said that that was the process of partnering with the Spirit in believing what God says. Mm -hmm. And so that's the exact same thing when it comes to discernment. Your mind is renewed and then you are able to discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's right, Robin. You know, God has a perfect will for our lives. And it's trying to figure it out that is often the challenge. And for me, I personally believe that if we are going to know the will of God, we need to first know the word of God. We Mm. need to really fill ourselves with the knowledge of God's will. The Bible says in Colossians 1 and verse 9, since the day we heard of you, we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So Paul is actually praying for the Philippians or the Colossians rather, that they may be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And many times I say to Christians, unless you're reading the Bible, unless you are just in the habit of trying to understand the word of God, you're going to struggle to discover God's will for your life. Because like you rightfully said, there is not a map where he says, do this and do this and do that. But he gives you his general will in the word of God. And so when your mind is filled with that general will of God, you can then easily apply it in your life. And I think that's why we so often today have so many Christians missing out on what God actually has designed their lives to be, like his perfect will for their lives, just simply because that love for the word of God, that love for going to the scripture seems to be kind of a lost art these days. The more Mm. young people that I speak to, like, um, you know, just asking, for example, at youth, what is the Great Commission? Like people don't know these things anymore. They don't know the basics of the word of God. They don't know the Sunday school stories that we all grew up reading about David and Goliath and all these things that you think should be common knowledge. It just isn't. And then it makes sense why we see so many Christians who seem to be living powerless lives, who seem to be living lives that don't look anything like what a Christian's life should look. And that's not saying that we don't face hardship, that we don't go through trials and we know these things. In fact, the Bible tells us (laughs) that we will have these things. But there's a victorious posture that we take in them when we know that God's will for our lives says that, yes, we will go through hard times and we will go through trials and stuff, but he still has an abundant life that he wants for us. So good. And uh, we keep using this phrase, perfect will. And You know, Paul speaks of knowing the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. And many people tend to get caught up with this, like, okay, which will must I look for? Mm. And it's important for us to emphasize right now that God only has a perfect will for your life. When God made you, he didn't say, well, if you are good enough, you will have the perfect will. If you're not good enough, you'll just have like the permissible will. His intent for you is to always live 
in the perfect will. So he has only one will and that will is a perfect will. However, in the process of growing, as we walk with him, as we renew our minds, Paul carries the idea that as your mind is being renewed, you're going to discover what is good. Mm. You're going to discover what is acceptable and what is perfect. And that's the process because all these things are a process. If we forget that renewing your mind is a process, you may think, well, I've made too many mistakes, so I'm never going to get it right. But when you are renewing your mind, sometimes you start with the good. In fact, you know, when we talk about the good, everyone, even people who are not saved, want to do what is good. Mm. So when we talk about the good will of God, we're talking about what God considers good. What is it that God considers good? So when you're about to make a decision and you're like, I'm looking for the will of God, is it a good thing? If it's not a good thing, it's definitely not the will of God because God's will for you is always going to be good. And when we look at that word acceptable, it's not like, is God allowing me to just do half measures? No, acceptable is, if we go back to the top of that scripture, verse 1 says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God. Mm -hmm. So the whole whole point that Paul is making is that whatever decision you do, whatever you do with your life, it must be acceptable to God. Mm -hmm. So if you're making a decision, can you offer that to God and God would say, well done. If God cannot accept that, then that's not God's will for your life. Definitely, Pastor Jay. God has a perfect will for each and every one of us. And God's sovereign will works for an ultimate good, even over the things not purposed by him. So we look at the story of Joseph, for example, where God's will for him was to rule over his brothers and mm. to rule over his family. And so many things happened. Yeah. And those things may not have been purposed by God because God doesn't purpose evil for us. He doesn't yeah. purpose us to go through hardship and sickness and disease and death and decay and all these things. But the reality is it's our decisions. It's our choices that make these things a reality. So God's will provides a pattern for us for how to live in this world. But the choices we make determine how well it's followed or not. And it makes me think of the scripture from 1 Corinthians 10, 23, where Paul is writing and he says to us as Christians, everything is permissible. Mm. Like we're allowed to do everything, you know, like the grace of God covers us. We're allowed to do everything, yeah. but not everything is beneficial. Yeah. Everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying. So I know you have some thoughts to add on that, Pastor Jay. Yeah. So whenever I read that scripture, Robin, I carry in my mind this idea of a permissible and a perfect will. And I know these are deep theological matters that we may not be able to really cover or exhaust on this podcast. But just to help our podcast understand what we're talking about here is there are certain things that God will permit in our lives that are not necessarily perfect. So because he has given us freedom of choice, he can come to you and say, hey, I want you to do this, but he expects you to choose whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Then in your choices, you may choose things that he would not prefer for you in accordance to his perfect will, but your choice is made. And if that choice somehow works out his perfect will, he will allow it. So for example, you were speaking about Joseph. There are things that happened in Joseph's life that were not God's original design, but God permitted it. Mm. We think of Job, another theological controversy is that the devil actually went to the Lord and said, God, will you allow me? So God knows that I've got a good plan for Job. So I am going to permit this into Job's life so that the perfect plan that 
I have for Job will come to pass. Mm. So there are things that are permissible and then there are things that are, are perfect. Uh, the word perfect speaks of maturity. As a matter of fact, the actual word that is translated perfect here is also used for firstborn, like that mature person. It's a word that Paul says, when I was a child, I used to think like a child, but when I became a man, a mature man, a perfect man, I put away childish things. And Mm -hmm. so there are certain things that God will allow you to do because you're still a child. You're still growing. Your mind is still being renewed. And you'll say, well, based on where you are, it's okay for you to do this Mm. but then as you mature you need to put off certain childish things it's the same thing as a father I do it with my kids there are things that I allowed them to do when they were a little bit younger but now that they are becoming of age I'm like hey you don't do this anymore because the perfect will that I always had for you has got no room for this Mm. I think about you know just that process of maturing and discerning and discovering the perfect will of God for your life and I've got a really practical example for my you know mm. when I was younger I've never been one to drink alcohol or anything like that and I've actually never even been drunk mm. but when I was younger I used to think oh it's okay to just have like one glass here and to go out with my friends and to be surrounded by people who are drinking mm. and that was like a mindset that I had when I was younger but as I grew older and I started discovering like what is God's will for my life what is my purpose what is the plan for my life mm. kind of thing I started discovering that hey this is not what I should be surrounding myself with. You know, the one glass of alcohol here or there that used to be acceptable is now, I don't drink at all kind of thing. Because yeah, is there something wrong with the Christian who has the occasional glass of wine? No. But for me and for what I believe is God's perfect will for my life, I just made that decision that, hey, the thing that I considered as okay, as permissible, yes, it's totally permissible, but it's not beneficial for me. It's not edifying for me. And even more than that, with how I want to lead people, how I want to influence people, it's definitely not edifying for the people around me. So good, Robin. You've just nailed it right there. That's the distinction between the permissible and the perfect. Is it permissible? Bible makes it clear. Everything is permissible. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. But then if you use that freedom to do things that are not beneficial for you, you are going to miss out on God's perfect plan for your life. So yeah, let's dive into this. You know, we're talking about innovation and people are saying, okay, that's good. I want to change a few things in my life, but I want to discern. I want to be better equipped to discern. Let's go into some practical ways that people can develop discernment. What are some discernment techniques that we can give our podcast listeners that will help them become effective in this area? This all has to be practical, right? Because we can't just talk about it and we can't just expect the knowledge just to be downloaded into our hearts, right? Yeah. You know, when I used to think of discernment, because that's why I was surprised when I saw it in the marketplace, because I just thought discernment is something spiritual. It's just mystical. It's just like, ooh, I feel it. It's the word of God. But now as I mature and as I begin to teach about it, I realize that there are techniques, there are things that you can actually do that will equip you to become a discerning person. Mm. And I love that because if we develop our discernment, that means that when you're faced with one, two, three, countless different decisions, you actually get the wisdom, you get the discernment to opt for God's most excellent choice. You know, from God's standpoint, what is the most excellent thing to do? And so the first thing that you need to do, the first practical technique that you can develop is to clarify what you want to decide about. What is 
at the heart of it. Yeah. Like what would you actually want to accomplish by making a decision on that thing? And so that is the first thing that you need to do. Yeah, it really sounds simple, but it's very, very important. Many times I often say to people, what is the real issue at hand? Because if you don't know what the real issue is, you're going to say, well, I'm looking for God's will. For what? Mm -hmm. What in specific? You know, well, I want to get married. I'm looking for God's will towards marriage. Mm -hmm. And then you now can search the scriptures, you can pray about it, and you can focus your mind around this. But also when we say, what exactly do you want to do? I think as Christians, it is important for us to remember that the ultimate goal of our lives is to please God. Mm. We want to please God. So when you are trying to discern, you're not looking for what is best for me. What is best for God? And when I think of marriage, I want to say, God, what will please you in my marriage? Not what will please me, because there are a lot of things that will please me that are not according to your will. But if the focus is, I want to develop a marriage that will please God, then the discerning process is now focused in the right place. And I think that that is so key, Pastor Jay, because somehow there seems to be this thinking that we have that God is trying to keep something back from us like he's Mm. trying to keep something good back from us so we don't really want to go into that question of what will please god because we think that hey oh that guy that i have a crush on you know (laughs) that i maybe know is not god's perfect will for me if i think too much about what would please god then that would fall away because i would then know that he definitely would not please god like that relationship would not please god and so we run away from that but ultimately what pleases god is what is best for you because he sees the entire picture he sees everything he doesn't just see that little part of your life he sees that okay what pleases me is what's going to actually be the perfect thing for you so good so you are going to find endless opportunities experiences relationships that are going to be presented your way make it your goal to say how does this opportunity please god Mm. not me because somebody can present an opportunity that pleases you But if you want to discern, say, God, will this opportunity really please you? And the second technique is find your spiritual equilibrium. This is the whole idea of making sure that you're neutral before you make a decision. Many times we approach discernment while we have already developed a mindset. Mm. We already have set our minds. I've already decided I'm going to go for it. So I'm going to pray about it, but my mind is already made. So everything that people say, everything that I read, everything that I hear from the Spirit is just to confirm what I've already decided on. So make sure that you are neutral as you are approaching whatever matter it is. Many times we come with attachments. I have already made some attachments to the decision that I want to make. You know, I already like the guy. I already have a strong desire for the guy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm praying, but mm. my mind is already... Yeah, it's called confirmation bias, right? We, we are biased towards what we think is going to be the best for us. And I think that that's so important when we consider the spiritual equilibrium that we ask the Father to renew our minds. You know, like we partner with Holy Spirit, like we said in the previous episode, to renew our minds so that we can become neutral. So that yeah. by that renewing of our mind, we can actually see both sides of the story and we're actually content 
with being neutral. Because I think one of the reasons why we struggle with this is because our hearts are so longing for one thing or for the other. And so you need to become neutral. You need to also ask yourself, are you being influenced by the systems of the world or maybe Mm. by the people around you and what people might think? And that's why this is so important because when you are neutral, it doesn't matter. Yeah. what system is around you, what the people around you think. You are neutral. It's you, it's father. You're renewing your mind and it becomes so much easier for you to discern what is his will for you. And when you have found the spiritual equilibrium, then you can actually go to God in prayer and say, God, move me towards your perfect will. Mm-hmm. How will this decision please you? And you start looking for God I'm neutral. Wherever you move me, if you move me to the left, I'm going left. If you move me to the right, I'm moving to the right. So as an example, people will choose their marriage partner as a means to an end. You know, I I just want to get married. I want to, you know... Um, live in a better house so if we get married then we're going to be able to put our resources together and have a better house so it's like this is just a means to an end but if the end is really to please god you are saying god it doesn't matter what i desire it doesn't matter what i want to see Mm. i want you to move me towards what would really please you so as you're beginning to change your life renew your mind innovate your life rebrand your life all these good things that we've been talking about Is the end goal moving you closer to pleasing God or further away from that? And I think you have to ask yourself the question, being honest with yourself, really. Mm. Do you really want God's will for your life? Because if you don't ultimately trust him and you don't know that he has a perfect plan for you, you're not really going to submit yourself to what his will is because you're always going to think that maybe you have a better idea, that maybe you know better. And so when you're in that neutral place and you pray for him to move you towards his perfect will, you will know, you'll be able to discern because you just trust that, yeah, sometimes it's going to be contrary to everything you've ever wanted. But because you've asked him to move you towards that perfect will, you'll just know without a shadow of a doubt that this is from him. Yes. And then from there, always encourage people to imagine giving somebody you have never met your best advice in that situation. So what this is all about is detaching your emotions and your sentiments from the discernment process. Many times what clouds our discernment is emotion. Our discernment is clouded by inner feelings, inner sentiments, our own fears. But what tends to happen is when you imagine someone coming to you who you don't know, you've got no relational connection to them. They're just asking you a plain question. Hey, what do you think about this? What will be your honest or your best advice to them? I call this the David and Nathan principle because when uh, the prophet Nathan came to David and told David about his situation and how he had you know, fallen into sin, David was quick to make judgment. Mm-hmm. Who's that guy? You must go and kill him. The judgment was easy. But the moment the prophet then said, hey, I'm talking about you. They're like, um, okay, uh, let's reconsider. Yeah. What changes is emotion and sentiment. Oh, now it's personal. Mm. Now it applies to me. And then I allow emotion and sentiments to cloud my discernment. And following from that, I think we also need to look for an eternal perspective on the matter. I like that. So we need to think, how does this affect eternity kind of thing? So it's not just about right now. It's about, you know, your next life, you know, it's about even, I think more than that, what are you building for the generations to come? Yeah. 
kind of thing. So for your kids, how are you discerning and making sure that the decisions you make, the perfect world that you are seeking for God, how is that going to affect generations to come? How is that going to affect eternity? And so that's something that is also really important to consider. So good. You know, when you picture yourself at the end of your life and mm. you look back to the decision that you have made, will you honestly be proud of yourself? Like, you know, I made this decision and this is how it has affected the nations, affected the generations yet unborn to time. Will you be at peace at the end of your life? And so many times when we have this eternal perspective, when we look at the bigger scheme of things, our discernment kicks in. You know, for us as Christians, one of the questions that we should be asking ourselves is, when I stand before God and he asks me, hey, did you do my will in this? Will I be able to say, you know what, mm. this I, I, I did it. This is it. I, I did exactly what you wanted me to do. Definitely. And so I think this is one of my favorite ones because this is probably the one that we should do the most, but I think most Christians <laughs> run away from is, does your decision line up with the revealed will of God? Mm. So we said at the beginning that the Bible is so clear. It may not have every single scenario, but man, does it have all the big blocks in place. It speaks so clearly on so many of the important decisions and issues of life. So when you're testing your options, do they line up with what scripture is saying about that? Or do they actually violate the clear teachings of scripture? And if they do, you need to immediately eliminate them. Yeah. Do not play around with what God's word makes clear is not acceptable. I always think of something that Pastor Reddy says, you know, that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Yeah. And so um, she always tells us girls, you know, don't even consider getting into a romantic relationship with an unbeliever. Yeah. And we see Christians that are like, oh, I'm going a missionary date them, whatever. <laughs> and the one day she said to me, like, God cannot bless what he has already cursed. God has made it clear in his word that we should not be yoked to unbelievers. So why then do we think that we're going to be this, I don't know, exception? We're going to be able to bring this person to Christ or whatever. When God has said clearly in his word, do not do it. Yeah. Just don't. So why then do we struggle to line our decisions up to what God has clearly revealed? That's so good, Robin, because most people are busy pining, crying for this unique will of God for their lives at the expense of the revealed will of God. Mm -hmm. they, they are ignoring the word of God, what God has already revealed. So if God has told you this is wrong, it's already wrong. Don't pray about it. Don't fast about it. Just let it go and make sure that your decisions going forward will line up with that will of God. Many of us love this idea of confirmation. I'm looking for confirmation. So before you ask somebody else to confirm the decision you want to make, just check. Does the word of God confirm it? If the word of God doesn't confirm that, it doesn't matter how many people say this is good. You know, nowadays, this whole idea of, you know what God understands, if it's in your heart, follow your heart. That's terrible because following your heart at the expense of the revealed will of God is never going Definitely. to be right. And don't try and be smart about it. You know, as you were just talking about that, I thought about the whole Hosea, Goma um, <laughs> thing where people are like, oh, but God called Hosea to marry a Goma, the prostitute. Like, Really? <laughs> 
Hosea did not want to. He was like, God, what are you doing? Kind yeah. of thing. And yet we're like, oh, you know, oh, I saw that chick. Yeah, she's pretty much, you know, a prostitute. <laughs> but God has called me to redeem her. You know, God has called me to be yoked to her. Uh, has he really? Or is you know? there just something in you, a lustful something in you that just wants to be with her and not actually have anything to do with the will of God? So please don't try and be smart about this. Yeah. Stick to the word of God. Stick to your lane. He knows best. And if there is a Hosea moment, Hosea Goma moment, I promise you, you will know that yeah. it's from God because I think everything in you is going to be like the whole Jonah. I don't want to go to Nineveh. <laughs> like yeah. I do not want to kind of thing. And yet that is the will of God for you. So your flesh is probably going to be kicking against it, not going to be like, woohoo, let's go kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So those are the exceptions and not the rules. So when you find a scripture like that, naturally, I love what you said, naturally, your flesh should be kicking against it. Like, God, I don't want that. I've kept myself. I've been pure. Why should I give up all this for something second best. Surely you should have something better than me. But when you find that your flesh is not kicking out, chances are you're just wanting to take the easy way out. Yeah, definitely. It's your will. It's not God's will. <laughs> Certainly. So yeah, I hope, I know this has been a big matter. I've been in ministry many, many years now and I've heard it many times over and over again. What is God's will for my life? I can't discern the will of God. If you would apply these practical steps and just begin to practice them and exercise every single day, I really believe that you're going to move closer and closer towards the perfect will of God. And it's a process. You might get the good. You'll never get the bad if you are pursuing the mm -hmm. will of God. It's always going to be good, acceptable, and perfect. And so just to conclude this, I just want to say that only a renewed mind that is not shaped by the world, mm. by the patterns, by the culture, by the things of this world, can have the clarity to discern God's will. Only that renewed mind empowered by the spirit will actually be able to evaluate and reject those things that are not godly, that are not pleasing to God. So we need to be reprogrammed by the spirit so that we can prove what is God's will for our lives. And it's always, like you said, it's always good and acceptable and perfect. So in essence, what we are saying, the transformed Christian that transformed, innovative Christian that we've been speaking about all week is in a position to determine God's will for your life. So we really hope that you guys have been blessed by this week's conversation all about becoming that innovative person. Be transformed. That is just the main message. Be transformed. Be that innovative person. You can go against the grain and you can do amazing things. So we hope that this has left you with a lot of practical tools. And yeah, we'd love to hear from our listeners. How has this been helping you? Reach out to us. Tell us what has been happening in your life. How has Growth Week just helped you in your growth journey and until next month let's keep growing, growing.